Welcome, all you blokes and chillers, to the Sport Shack from the Gold Coast, Australia. In the Sport Shack this week, we're going to talk about some of the sporting topics of the week and go back in time and some of our favourite sporting memories from the past as well as the news and events, music and film, and lots more. And all from and with our great mate, Paul Tonner. We acknowledge the Ugambe people, past and present, the traditional custodians of this land, of the Gold Coast, we thank the Yogambe people for the opportunities to do this podcast on their land. Welcome to this episode of the Sports Shack. I hope you are well and have had a great sporting week. Hi there, Glenn. Hey, Paul. How's things? (laughs) 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 Bit happening? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Boom back on the roller coaster again. Yeah, the roller coaster of life. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. I know all about it. Especially with the um, announcement about what New South Wales is doing about opening back up. Yeah, I heard that this uh, morning, yeah. And I'm going, well, I'm going to have to, yeah, wait to see what the Queensland Premier says. Yeah. Before I can even risk going down to see my parents. So there's something like 80% fully vaccinated now. Yeah. yeah. We're nowhere near that we got Queensland. F- 55.5%. It's ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. Bloody ridiculous. Yeah. yeah, we know who's the blame for that, don't we? <laughs> yep. Yeah, but, <laughs> oh, yeah, it just, it, 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 it just makes it a bit... A bit more confusing, just yeah, to, just the buddy. Well, I'm in the same boat as you, you know. Like, um, yeah. I've got family. I want over the border there. I want to go see them for Christmas, but yeah. do I or do I not? Yeah, yeah. But, that's but the apparently, they're they're trialing mm. um, home quarantine. Yep, in Queensland from tomorrow. Okay, so if you do go into a known hotspot, you can quarantine at home into the hotel. Right. Which I'm fine with mm. that. I'm fine okay. with that. Yeah. I don't yeah. <laughs> Things can happen so, change so quickly. Like, yeah. there's a family near where I live and, yeah, I hadn't seen them for ages. And I'm going, well, geez, I wonder where they went. They must have left. Yeah. This was for a couple of months. Yeah. And they'd gone over to over the border of the New South Wales over holiday and couldn't yeah. get back. Yeah. Yep. They were stuck there. Mm. Yeah. Yep. Away yeah. from their home for all that time. Uh, well, well, last year, when all this first started off, I was catching the the, the, the tram b- back home, and we got talking to some people from Western Australia. They'd been they'd been staying in the the the, the resort that they came out for a holiday. For three months, Jeez. because they wouldn't let them back in yeah. in West Australia, so they were forking out paying the the mortgage on oh, their place in West gosh. Australia and paying for the accommodation. Fair income. Oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah. Oh well. Yeah. Well, yeah. Hopefully, this time next year, it just be long <laughs> forgotten. Because I was actually thinking. Because, yeah, when we were back in men's group, when, when 
you know, we were both going there and this was all happening and you were mm. saying, oh, yeah, they're expecting the second wave to come through yeah, in six months. Yeah. And here we are, what, bloody yeah. nearly two years later. Well, we thought it'd all be, all be done yeah. and dusted by now, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. oh, gosh. <laughs> but I just find it amazing that yeah. an isolated country like Australia yeah. can have cases, the amount of cases that it does. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. Mm. I know it's nowhere near as bad as a lot of the world, yeah. but still, you know. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah, uh, but my uh, week... Um, yeah, new NRL team yeah. was announced during the week, the Redcliffe yeah. Dolphins, but yeah. whether it'll be called that, I'm not sure. Yeah, um, yeah have you got any name suggestions? Redcliffe. <laughs> There's a few going around. Actually, that, 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 that town. It's a beautiful place, Redcliffe, yeah, I love yeah, it. Yeah, but this, that, that, the name of that town. I currently have issues with. Yeah, what's that? Because there's someone that lives there. Oh, okay. But not related to me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so if I had a big magic marker, yep. I would sort of rub it out of Australia at the moment. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Cut it out, put it off <laughs> a little well, bit. Well, it wouldn't surprise me if they call it something else apart from Redcliffe. I, I know, you know. Like, because it, it's basically they'll be playing all their games out at Suncorp, yeah. but they're going to represent that whole Brisbane North Corridor there. Yeah. So, well, I don't know, the Morton Bay Dolphins, that sounds all right to me. Yeah, <laughs> but, but most of the team names have, have got to have an animal that's, mm. that means power. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Mm. So... Yeah, like the more. Yeah, well, I don't think they definitely won't change the dolphin name. Yeah. Um, imagine when they play the sharks, <laughs> dolphins <laughs> versus sharks. Hey, well, 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 <laughs> I'll be going for flipper. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> Def- <laughs> definitely, definitely. I've, I've seen that happen where I've seen sharks off, yeah, off the off the coast, and as soon as they come out, yeah. But I've also I've also seen a pack of. Dolphins behind the sharks. Yeah. I've told the people, don't worry, the dolphins are there. Oh, I love dolphins. You'd be quite surprised. Favourite animal. Yeah. yeah. Just beautiful creatures. Yeah. No, we used to. It's easy to, <laughs> when you, <laughs> easy to um, when you see a fin, you think, oh, shit, that's a shark. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Or if you just think you see a fin. Yeah. You sort of... <laughs> But you know yeah. the difference. One goes up and down, the other one goes <laughs> just circles. And yeah. You know, if it just doesn't submerge, you know what it is. Yeah. Yeah. And that's run. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, but years ago when I was a lot younger, I learned how to dive, and and I'd really, and the, and. Froggy who taught me how to dive and that. And we'd be out there off offshore off Port Macquarie or Lauriton and all that. Yeah. And we'd be there you know, we'd be there diving 
and we're there bloody playing with the baby shark or something like that. Mm. And he's going, oh, come over, come over. I'm going, no. Oh, bloody hell. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> <Bugger> that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, um, no, I'll tell you what it will do. It's going to decimate some clubs. Yeah. So Parramatta's in big strife because they've got a lot of players yeah. coming off contract. Yeah. So their first season's going to be 2023. Yeah. But Parramatta, they've got all these superstars coming off contract the yeah. end of next year. Yeah. And already uh, Regan Campbell-Gillard has committed himself to play for the Dolphins. Yeah. And Melbourne Storm, yep, they've got a lot of superstars coming off contract. So, yeah. so, so, so is, is that the Dolphins club a large club? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're loaded. Yeah. Yep. So they're going to be able to start mm. buying. Oh, yeah. Yep. Buying some top players. First of November, they can start buying players, I'm pretty sure. Yep. What's it? Yeah. But I suppose, but then again, um, State of Origin. Mm. If they start buying a lot more Queenslander players, playing for the New South Wales teams at the moment. Mm. To come back to play with Queensland. Yeah. When it comes to State of Origin, it's going to make it even harder. For oh, no. If, like, if, yeah, if they're born in New South Wales. No, yeah. No, but if they've come from Queensland, but yep. they've been playing for, say, Parramatta. Yeah. But then they get brought back to the Dolphins. Yep. Oh, I see what you mean. So yep. then when it comes to State of Origin, mm. yeah, it would make it. Oh, I would. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Yeah, well, it'll be interesting, to, you know. I, I sort of thought they should have maybe put a team in Ipswich as well, make it 18 teams, but, yeah. you know, because the AFL are pushing into that area. Yeah. Yeah. Ipswich. Mm, out, out in that western corridor there. Yeah. Yeah, but maybe the Suns, you know, Gold Coast Suns should move there. Because the, the Brisbane Lions, they're setting up all their base out there. They're putting a stadium out there. And yeah. Yeah. yeah mm. I, I can't see the Suns moving out. Nah, no, nah, I can't see it. Uh, because yeah. Yeah, cause they would have to go and um, change their, their theme, their, mm. song, their, their club song too. Yeah, that's right. Because all yeah. ba- it's all based around the Gold Coast. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, I never knew that. Where are the yeah. sons of the Gold Coast? I can't remember what what it's all about, but I know yeah. generally it's talking about they're the sons as in. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 Sons as in. Right. Family or sons as in. Yeah. The, yeah. Where are the Gold Coast team? Yeah. Not that they yeah. get to sing it very often. No. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe one year. <laughs> yeah. But no, the Queensland <laughs> Cup final was a ripper. Yeah. Oh, it was between the North Devils and uh, Winner Manly. Yeah. yeah, it's amazing those Queensland Cup finals. So just about every grand final is a yeah. just an absolute ripper of a match. Yeah, yeah really close. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we had the great Norm Proven, one of the uh, I think he was the eighth immortal. Uh, he passed away during the week, aged 88 years of age. Yeah. Yeah, so with the, the trophy that yeah. the NRL play for, it's got a 
yeah. statue of the gladiators. So yeah. you've got Norm Proven and Arthur Summons. Yeah. So is it from the 1963 grand final yeah. in the mud where St George defeated yeah. Western Suburbs? Yeah. At the end of the match, Norm Proven, Arthur Summers embraced and, um, yeah. yeah, and that's been on the trophy ever since, you know, yeah. since uh, the... Uh, I think at least the early 1980s, I think. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. 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 I think it's yeah. a JJ Gilton and Shield. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. But no, what happened during, yeah, the Penrith players, you know, Penrith won the competition. Yeah. Yeah, it broke. Yeah. Yeah. So they've dropped it somehow. Oh, yeah. And the behaviour of some of their players was just appalling. Yeah. You know, just um, years putting putting the, the statue of the gladiators in a sling, putting it in a pram, wheeling it around. Yeah. Just disgusting behaviour. Yeah. So, yeah, their um, club legend, Greg Alexander, he, he had a go at them. Yeah. You know? Yeah, but yeah. Uh, just, you know, when are they going to grow up, some of them? Yeah. yeah. Like, it's yeah. fair enough, <laughs> you yeah. know, it's a party and... Oh, you know, you've won the competition, but yeah. so you know, show some grace. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, unfortunately I found out on Monday night that a friend of mine had passed away. Oh, sorry to hear so, that. Yeah. He was he was a great guy. He oh. was, he, he, was uh, he was the best bone therapist yeah. I ever knew. And he'd been over overseas in Thailand and Cambodia and Yeah. Place like that doing um, Bowen treatment to virtually either free or very little, just enough to yep. keep himself going. And right. The, yeah. Oh, okay. Unfortunately, unfortunate testicle cancer. And Was this over there? That happened yeah. Or? Oh, yeah. gee. Sorry I, to hear that. Yeah, because I, I hadn't seen him on Facebook for ages. And, yeah. And another mutual mate, it was his birthday and... Mm. I saw him he left um Simsy yeah, mate, a um birthday greeting and and yeah. then my sister called and Ah oh, gee. On Monday How old would he have been? Oh he's in his sixties. Yeah. Yeah, no, he right. he was really really a great guy and yeah. I thought I thought um So you, did he live on on the coast here before no, no, no. or down Port Macquarie? Yeah, down at Port Macquarie. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But he's, um, when he lost his, both his parents, yeah. he, he went overseas and started to, he wanted to live in other countries and mm. and he came back to Australia for a short while and then he went back over yeah. to Thailand and done work over there, just his bone therapy because he was just, mm. he knew Every alternative thing to do. Yeah. You, know, you came up with a problem, and instead of going to the doctor to get a pill, yeah. you'd say, go and, go, go, go and you know, take this or do that. But he just didn't say it. He'd actually try it himself. Yeah. He'd come to me and go, well, uh, yeah, try this, Glenn. I've been. I've been doing this. So, can you explain bone therapy? I've I've heard of it. Well, it's manipulation and putting the the, the muscles and yep. the body back into alignment. Right. Okay. So, just because 
you may have, say, your foot, mm. um, your foot out. That gets treated before, but before it gets treated, they they treat the opposite end like the shoulders, right? Because well, bone therapy was developed by an Australian Tom Tom Bowen, mm. and it was all to bring the, bring the body back into alignment. Yeah. So, and and I would be getting a treatment from Brett, and he would say, yeah, it wouldn't fix. Wouldn't necessarily fix you straight away, mm. but he said, like in four days, it would be, it would come good. Yep. Drink plenty of water and and all of that. And sure enough, I'd be hopping around for a few days. But on the fourth day, he'd go bang, mm. everything would come back into place. Oh, gee, yeah. and, and and I'd be right. Mm. So he was always. He was always um, experiment. Well, yeah, trying things differently, yeah. different way with the bone therapy, and then when they go and do the refresher courses, the instructors always, oh no, it's got to be done this way. But he would do it. He said, no, well, I, I do it this way because I find it more effective. Yeah, because he he was in the building industry. Mm. And he broke his back. Oh, okay. And yeah. um, he was, you know, going through a, going for a, you know, a course to retrain to, mm. you know, get into another industry. And he was in this class with 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 this with this guy that that did bone therapy, and the, the, they met. He said, "I'll give you treatment." During lunchtime, yeah, and he gave him a treatment, and and he felt oh, a lot, really felt a lot better. Then he went went in the next day, yeah. Woke up the next morning, the pain was gone from his oh, back. That's great. Back and he went in and said, yeah, he quit the course. He said, I'm going to learn bone therapy, and I, that, that's what I'm going to do. For yeah, the, good on him. The rest of my life. Yeah. Oh yeah. And he shared that great skill over in Thailand. Yeah, but mm. well, he, yeah, he probably taught people, but he also used that skill yeah. to benefit the people that couldn't afford it. Yeah, right. That couldn't afford the treatments from the medical system. Mm. He, he, he was just out there to help people. Yeah, to make a different difference. Yeah. What, what was his name? Brett Smith. Brett Smith. Yeah. 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 So I was I was just thinking about him mm. yeah, you know, the week before I heard the news, I thought I'd really like to see him come back when the borders open all up and just Yeah. Yeah, you know, to see him. Yeah. yeah, even though 'cause he's from a large family and they've sort of all gone their yeah. own way since the parents are gone and yeah, no. I lost a good mate early in the year suddenly. Yeah, um, yeah and one thing I, I know that helped me was going to men's group, yeah. back to men's group and yeah. talking about it and yeah. just getting, um, yeah, the, yeah, one thing, you know, when someone close to us, yeah. men's group has passed away, yeah. 
Yeah, we do like a respect. Yeah, yeah. How would you say like it's uh, – oh, we mention the name and then we have a bit of silence and then yeah. – uh-huh. yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. And I found that was really helpful. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah, well, I, I, I've made – I don't know if you've seen the sign that I made up. I've stuck it on the, on the wall, on the cupboard there. Mm. It's about respect. Oh yep, in here. So mm. anyone that comes in here, that's a good idea. But but down the bottom, <laughs> yeah, because it's to cover cover thing cover issues. Yeah, but in the bottom, it says this is our home. Yeah. So this is yeah uh, for for me and for Sam. This is this is a place that is ours. Yeah. That we That's a good idea. That, yeah. that when we're here, if you come into our place, you don't bring yeah. the habits or talk a certain way. Mm. This is our home. Yeah. I should have that at my place. But and, only a certain amount of time on your phone and Yeah. <laughs> and down the bottom of the sign I've got written in red that disrespect disrespect will not be tolerated. Yeah. And I was gonna put under that because I was also going to add under that, or else you'll be going over the railing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's a low railing <laughs> and a long way down. <laughs> and a very hard sudden stop at the end. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, the other sporting news, um, yeah, the Socceroos winning run came to an end. Yeah, yeah. they lost to Japan in Japan, but yeah. went down fighting. It was one all. Yeah. About five minutes to go, yeah. Japan scored, yeah. I think it was a home goal. Yeah, yeah so I oh, spewing because, yeah, if we got away with the draw there, that would have been a huge result. Yeah. And so is this a qualifier for that? Yeah, those are the qualifiers for Qatar. Yeah. And, you know, Japan's probably strongest team in Asia. Yeah. Yeah, so... Hopefully the Socceroos will get to play some of their remaining home yeah. matches at home, you know, uh, not over in the desert <laughs> in the <laughs> Middle East. <laughs> yeah. um, okay, so today we're going to go back to the year 1997, yeah. back to the 90s. It was a time of the rise of the internet and pop culture. Yeah. yeah, so Glenn, what are your memories of the year 1997? Oh, well, it was the year that my... Son was born. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The um, yeah, yeah. That's my favorite, my best memory. Yeah. Mm. Of that and and the joy that it's brought to me life and yep. <laughs> yeah, even though a strapping young man now, eh? I, yeah, but when I think back for the for what is is. He's always been an independent, mm. independent kid. Always, yeah. always. Yeah. And and the um, he never really took crap from anyone or or and he he done things in his own time. Like mm. they were getting worried because you know. Kids growing up, they they crawl and start pulling themselves up and start to learn to walk that way. Mm. Not not my son. Mm. He went straight from 
crawling, standing up and walking perfectly. Yeah. Within just a couple of minutes. He didn't hold on Fair to income. it. He didn't hold on to Up and running. Yeah. Straight away. And and then when I got him a push bike with the um training wheels, he yeah uh, the day after he got it, he was in he was in the um workshop with the tools, taking the training wheels off. Yeah. And got back on the bike. How old was he around then? He's about four. Jeez. Yeah, one day on the training wheels, and he took him off himself, and, oh, and no. just got back on. But 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 he he just had that knack. Yeah. That, 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 I, well, I believe that because he's got a very very like like me, he looks at things. Yeah. He works all out, and then he just does it. Yeah. Because even when he was when he was um at Started school and had the interview with the principal, and the, and the principal got a got a heap of texts out and put them on the desk and asked Greg to count them. Oh, I think I've heard this story. Yeah, and, tell me again. And and then because um, normally a kid would count them one by one, mm. and the, the teacher goes, the print sorry, the principal goes, ah. Oh, and you're going to count them? He goes, oh, there's 14 there. Yeah. And the principal goes, is it? And, <laughs> and the principal had to count them by by the, uh, by the one finger at a time yeah. to, to make sure there was 14 there. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then when he got to grade three, yeah. um, and he was allowed to... Yeah, do the computer um, class. Mm. He w- he he knew more about computers yeah. than the computer teacher. Yeah. And the computer teacher kept on nice and calling him, uh, him over <laughs> to fix to fix a computer. Yeah, yeah. Gosh. The, t- the teacher be trying to fix it, and then, yeah. and then oh Greg, can you come over? And Greg would just yeah. go over and go, yeah, it might. The cord might have just not been pushed in or yeah. <laughs> something like that. He's just, he's just genius. Yeah, you know, like he, <coughs> he does, he, he does, he does animation, and he does the most difficult part of animation, which is the rigging. Yeah, which is basically this creating the skeleton of the character to be able to move. Yeah. And so many people in um, animation don't like to do that because it is so time-consuming. But Greg just finds it so easy. Yeah, he he, he can do a rigging. Some of them may take an hour, some may take 10 hours. Mm. But, But compared to... You know, so so you well, he's definitely got that skill from you because <laughs> I, I don't. Yeah, it's amazing how you do all this editing. I haven't got the patience for it. Yeah, yeah so he's yeah, yeah. No, he's passed that <laughs> great skill <laughs> down. I'd, well, yeah, yeah so. but, but I think it was sort of um, just allowing him to yeah. develop it himself. Yeah. Except one day, I um. 
I had this fan, ceiling fan, which I was going to convert it to run on 12 or 24 volts DC. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because you could buy them from the States, but they're about $400 US, 12-watt yeah. ones. So I had one boxed up for, in its box for a long time. And I came out one day, he had it all unpacked and all pulled apart. And mm. as, as soon as he saw me coming, he shot off on his bike. Yeah. And it was all laid out in, in segments. Gosh. And, and I thought, I just looked at it, I, I just looked at it and thought I ain't gonna I've got no way of putting this back to, yeah. together so I just put it all in the metal recycling bin. That <laughs> <laughs> scene with the textures, I mean, yeah, like that have you seen the scene in the movie Rain Man? When um yeah, all that they're sitting at the cafe. Yeah. Yeah, Tom Cruise and um yeah. Dustin Hoffman. Yeah. And the toothpicks go flying everywhere. Yeah. There's a whole heap of them. And he counts, yeah, like he knows straight away how yeah. many are in there. Yeah. And the waitress goes, yep, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nah. Genius. Yeah. yeah. Any other memories from 97 or? 97, yeah. Well, yeah. My daughter was seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, we living in a little cottage behind my parents' place. Yeah. Yeah, just, yeah, still doing, it was, uh, uh, this was sort of the year that I trans, I started to change from doing electronics to doing solar. Right, okay. So I was just yeah. looking at, yeah. at getting out of, um, Electronics because the, the the weight was electronics were changing, yeah. and and keeping up with the technology to be able to do the repairs. Right. So and there wasn't many people mm. in the area doing solar. So yeah, that's I great. started to expand it. Just going back to your son, what's he doing now? Yeah, well, he um, he's a night fillet at Coles, and also yep. does he does the um, oh well, uh, contract. Um, he contracts mm. one studio in the rigging, and he also does um, ah, uh, what is it? Commissions. So, oh, okay. So, so there'll be other people that doing their own animations that yep. will then go, well, you know. I need this done mm. to my animation. And yeah. He, and he works out, he gives them prize. And Gosh, amazing. And, and, yeah. and, and he, he, he gets, he's, he's got around the 90, 95%. Yeah. Yeah. You know, people will pay. Jeez. Well, yeah. You know, yeah, because when he gets busy and he gets more people asking for, yeah. for work to do commissions for him, to do the, their work. He'll then go and jack the price right up. Yeah. And they'll still come back and go, yeah. when can you do it? Because, okay. it? because it's just that part of animation that just people don't like doing. Yeah. But it was like, even throughout his, his schooling, he was always 
I see average students always. You know, it always had a better, better, um, better second half than 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 um, yeah, at the beginning of the year. But then when it came to year twelve, he, I got, I got the school report picked up from the mail and opened it up. And I walked in, I stormed into his room. I put on a fake act. Like I was pissed off. Hey. I went storming into his room, like, yeah, really, really pissed off. Like, yeah. I got the piece of paper and I slammed it down his table. I said, <laughs> what the hell do you think this is? And he looks at me going, what do you mean? Hey. I said, where does all this ace come from? Yeah. yeah, the last year of school when it means actually means something. Yeah, yeah that we bloody what most of A's and one B because it was yeah. If he, uh, I'm I'm really bragging about my son here, I know. Because if he's interested in something, mm. he'll he'll he'll. Exceed in it, yeah. But if he's not interested, yeah. doesn't matter how much you can push him, yeah. He just, he just, um, he just, just wouldn't do it, yeah. You know, because it, it, because I raised him the last four years of his of his schooling, he got to the point that, yeah, you know, being a parent, you ask him. Um, I'll get your homework done, mm. and he would do it at school. So, yeah, when I'd ask him, "Oh, you got homework for school?" He goes, "Yeah, I've done it. I've already done it." Yeah. But there was another time that he had, he had um an essay due in two weeks. I'm saying, "Get it done. Get it done. Get it done." <laughs> And he went in the he, he went in the room mm. the night before. It was due, and he just typed out yeah. this essay and got an A plus. So for he it. did it when it mattered, and, it, and yeah. he got an A plus for it. Yeah, he put in the big effort when it mattered. Yeah, but and then I look back like on Wayne Bennett footy teams. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> I I look back on I used to be like that. Because mm. I used to write articles about solar, yeah, and I would be I would be wandering around the property or doing a job, and the same thing. Yeah. I'd 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 get in, in the office the the afternoon before the next day before his year, and just sit there and type it, yeah. and not have to do any recorrections. It would just, it would just flow out. Yeah. And uh, and um, yeah, then they mm. send the article off, and and they always get back to me. Wow, mm. yeah, that was so informative. And oh, cool. Yeah, so yeah, so my memories of 1997. So I was living in my townhouse in Springwood in the Blue Mountains. So yeah. I'd bought it the year before. Yeah. So it's the first place I ever owned. Yeah, and I was teaching as well in high school and. I remember going to Perth to see my sister and her family. Yeah. They were living over there then. Yeah. And first time I ever saw desert, I went to the Pinnacles <laughs> Desert. <laughs> 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 I remember 
I remember the first and only time I went for a desert. <laughs> I went for a desert. Yeah. Stopped at this petrol station to buy some icy cold water. Oh, gosh. By the time I got back to the van, it was bloody about boiling. Yeah. Well, this was the middle of winter, luckily. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember the two rugby league competitions that year. Uh-huh. We had the ARL and the Super League. Yeah. Yeah. So the ARL, that was on uh, Packers' side. The Super League was on Murdoch's side. Yeah. So it all started a few years before, but Super League finally got the clearance to yeah. have their competition yeah. to start in 97. So, yeah. yeah, but we'll go into it in detail later on yeah. in this episode. But yeah. thankfully they both competitions came together at the end of 97. And, yeah. yep. And I remember Newcastle's dramatic win in the ARL grand final, the dying seconds. And, yeah, just trips away. I remember going to the Gold Coast and it was a different-looking Gold Coast back then. I stayed at that Paradise Resort. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Near Surface there. And I remember going to Canberra, going to the Institute of Sport, checking that out for the first time. Yeah. Yeah, and... I'm not going to talk about it much today because <laughs> I, I've spoken about it. Brings yeah. back too many bad memories. Yeah. The Socceroos, <laughs> their agony against Iran when they had it all wrapped up. Yeah. Yep. Tickets yeah. just about booked to go to France for their first World Cup in, yeah. what, 24 years? And yeah. it all yeah. fell apart. Yeah. yeah. And how yeah. could we ever not forget Princess Diana's shocked death. Yeah. yeah. So we've got the quiz now. Yeah, but before that, just stepping back to yeah. my, my sporting week. Yeah. Broadwater Parklands in Southport. That used to be the GC goat, the, the, the um, go-kart track. Oh, was it? Yeah. Okay. Never knew that. Never did I. Until... Gosh. Sammy told me about the show movie days. Yeah. So we'll have to try and talk her into coming on and talking about Oh, okay. Yeah, because I knew it was around, mm. but I didn't know where it was. Yeah. But then when she said oh, I was on the Broadwater Parklands, I thought, yeah. Yeah. Because so, I used to, so um, I used to bring the kids up for holidays. Mm. Uh, yes, uh, it must have been mainly in, in the 2000s when it came up because yeah. I've always known Broadwater Parklands is, mm. as <laughs> what it is now. It's great what they've done there. It's a beautiful yeah. place yeah. to go walking around. Yeah, and, yeah I love it there. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. you can move on to the quiz. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Right, we've so just, we've just taken forty minutes to the buddy <laughs> to get to our first <laughs> segment. <laughs> oh, that's all right. It's good to reminisce. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to reminisce. We've got some questions here now on the year nineteen ninety-seven. So, first question is: What team won their first AFL title in nineteen ninety-seven? What team won their first AFL title in nineteen ninety-seven? 
And don't give the answers away. No, this time. I I'm going to give the answers in a sec, actually. Okay. We'll get the quiz out of the way. Yeah. Knock it on the head. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, second question What was the name of the British sailor who was rescued by the Australian Navy in the round the world yacht race? So, what was the name of the British sailor who was rescued by the Australian Navy in the round the world yacht race? And the third question. What was the name of the famous American basketballer who was suspended by the NBA for kicking a cameraman? <laughs> what was the name of the famous American basketballer who was suspended by the NBA for kicking a cameraman? And uh, I'll give you a hint. Yeah, he's uh, he's a bit weird, this bloke. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, if you ever watch the doco, The First Dance, yeah. on Netflix, yeah. yeah. He dresses weird, he is weird, but yeah. great basketballer. Yeah. Okay, so the answer to the first question, it was the Adelaide Crows. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, first South Australian team to win the premiership. And the second question, his name was Tony Bullimore. Do you remember that? Yeah, I do. Yeah, and, way out in the Southern Ocean. And do you remember mm. what, what, what from that rescue, what happened a lot, what they also talked about a lot? No? Yeah. yeah. About who was going to pay mm. the three, I think it was yeah, three or four was million dollars. That, wasn't it? Yeah, that the, the, the Australian Navy wanted them to someone to pay. Yeah, rescuing him. Yeah. No, well, what happened? His his whole yacht capsized. Yeah. So he was just stuck. So yeah. it was a miracle, absolute miracle. Yeah. yeah. And the answer to the third question is the one and only Dennis Rodman. Mm. Okay, so we're gonna go to who am I now? This week's. Who am I? Right, so we're going to stay on the theme of basketball. And it's an easy one this week. This guy used to play with on the same team as Dennis Rodman, with the Chicago Bulls. And he's, yeah, very, very famous sportsman. So, I was born in 1963, and I'm an American former professional basketball player and businessman. I played 15 seasons in the NBA, winning six championships with the Chicago Bulls. I'm widely regarded as the greatest basketball player of all time, and many regard me as one of the greatest sportsmen of all time. And according to Wikipedia, I played a major role in helping popularise the NBA around the world in the 1980s and 90s. My position was shooting guard, and I'm well known for my hopping ability. Oh, sorry, leaping ability. My eyes are playing up again. And slam dunks. My first three titles with the Bulls were in 1991, 92, and 93. I then had a short stint playing minor league baseball before returning to basketball and leading the Bulls to three more championships in 1996, 1997 and 1998. I was featured with many of my Chicago Bulls teammates in the recent Netflix series, The Last Dance. I claimed six NBA finals. Most valuable player, so that's the most valuable player award. 
and I'm often referred to as MJ, and it's not Michael Jackson. (laughs) (laughs) My name is. (laughs) Okay, we'll give the answer later on. Where are they now? Yeah. Uh. Where are they now? Right. Well, this week we've got a true Aussie icon, an Aussie legend, a great Aussie bloke. And, yeah, we're going to the world, back to the world of tennis this week. So, yeah, this uh, famous tennis player. Yeah, well, a lot of these tennis players today, they grow up, they're like sport brats, aren't they, you know? But this guy came from a, well, he he didn't have that privileged upbringing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it was just good old-fashioned family values. Yeah. Well, coming from Mount Isa. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah, it, it'd be really, mm. uh, really tough up there. Yeah, and it's yeah because up in Mount Isa, you, you'd never have a winter up there. That's right. <laughs> you'd always be, you'd, every, every day with practice, you'd be in the heat up there. Well, Greg Norman came from Mount Isa too. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, and he went on to become world number one, even though it was just for one week. That was in 1999. Yeah, so, yeah, and according to the Boardroom podcast, Pat Rafter, he won the Stefan Edberg Award for sportsmanship. And, yeah, commonly talks about the wonderful support of his family. And he was saying that, you know, whenever he misbehaved on the court when he was a kid, his dad would just drag him off. Okay, so yeah, as I said, he was born in Mount Isa, Queensland in 1972 and he moved to the Sunshine Coast, age nine. And then he moved to Brisbane, age 14, to train after school. And yeah, Pat Rafter is an Aussie tennis player. He reached world number one in July 1999 and he began playing tennis at five years of age. Yeah. And turned pro in 1991, age 19. Yeah. And Rafter grew up, grew up in a large family. He was the seventh of nine children. Yeah. Mm. His main career highlights were winning consecutive US Open titles in 1997 and 1998. And he was runner-up at Wimbledon in 2000 and 2001. Yeah. And he says that when he lost that 2000 title to Pat Sampras... He actually, yeah, he actually um, said that, yeah, he choked. We're not many athletes, so they choked, but he admitted that he choked. So, according to Wikipedia, in 1998, Rafter became the first man in the Open Era to win the Canadian Masters. Cincinnati Masters and the US Open in the same year. Yeah. So it was known as the American SummerSlam. Yeah, yeah and uh, John McEnroe, yeah, he said, oh, after he won his title in 97, his US Open, yeah. oh, he's just going to be a one-slam wonder, yeah. you know. Nothing else, just a one-slam wonder. Yeah. And, yep, he made John McEnroe eat his words. Yeah. Yep. So, he was also excelled in doubles, winning the 1999 Australian Open men's doubles title with Swede Jonas Borkman. Also won two singles and two doubles ATP Masters titles. 
Yeah, so and Rafa is the third man in the open era to reach semi-finals or better of every Grand Slam tournament in both singles and doubles. This is after Rod Laver and Stefan Edberg. And he's the only player to remain undefeated against the great Roger Federer. I never, won, never knew that. Uh, yeah, he beat him on three occasions. Uh, and according to TennisFame.com, Roger's game was based on attack, attack, attack. <laughs> on all tennis surfaces. Rafter liked to hit the ball deep, attack the net quickly, and sh- strike his volley with precision and pace. He was athletic, agile, mobile, and had tremendous footwork. Rafter was a tremendous fighter, overcoming serious wrist and shoulder injuries to reach the top. Uh. 1997 was a tremendous year for Pat Rafter. He came from two sets down early that year in the Davis Cup tie against France. That was against Cedric Peeling. He went on to win and help secure the tie. So, yeah, when he was down two sets to love, yeah, so John Newcomb, he was the the coach then. Uh, yeah, I mean, the captain. They call him Captain uh, Davis Cup. Uh, and it's just ripping into him, you know. Uh, oh, you know, you know, pull your socks up. And because uh, Rafter was just, you know, he was uh, just, yeah, <laughs> in a really bad way. Uh, then he went on and won, and the rest of the year, well, yeah, uh, just. Yeah, excelled yeah. tremendously. Yep. Yeah. So Rafter went on to reach the semi-finals at the French Open, losing in four sets to two-time former champion Sergei Bruguera. So it's amazing how a win like that Davis Cup tie yeah. can just be the turning point, eh? Yeah. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, just that, you know, just getting that confidence. Yeah. Yeah. So Pat Rafter went on to win the US Open title at the new Arthur Ashe Stadium. It was that year at Flushing Meadows. I remember when I was in New York in 1999, the uh, taxi I was in went past uh, Flushing Meadows. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't get to go inside, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I saw it <laughs> as yeah. I went past. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah, so he defeated Canadian-born Brit Craig Rosetsky in four sets. And according to the book Australian Sport Through Time, Rafter became the first Aussie to win a Grand Slam singles title since Pat Cash in 1987. Yeah. Now, in that match, Rosetsky recorded the fastest ever serve, 228.8 kilometres an hour. Yeah. That's quick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Faster than, twice as fast as the runaway XPT3 Fasifoon, <laughs> which was recorded in the final. Yep. So yeah. Rafter was very grateful to John Newcomb, Australia's Davis Cup captain, and his occasional coach, Tony Roach, who helped him improve his technique and mental toughness. So Tony Roach, he coached Ivan Lendl for years. Oh, yeah. You know, when Lendl was number one in the world for so long. Yeah. He began the year ranked 63 in the world and finished the year ranked number three. Yeah, so persistent shoulder injuries ended Rafter's career in 2003 and according to the Sydney Morning Herald, he stated he had lost all his motivation to play at the top level. Rafter was known for his tremendous sportsmanship on the court and great generosity. According to tennisfame.com, 
dot com. Rafter donated six hundred thousand dollars. What are you laughing at, Glenn? Oh, yeah, it's um, <laughs> when I hear people make mistakes, it's sort of, it's it's sort of, um, oh god, it's yeah, I, I get things coming up in my head. <laughs> some of some of them you don't want to know about. Oh dear, Andy. Yeah, so he donated $600,000 of his 1997 and 1998 US Open earnings uh, to the Brisbane Martyr Hospitals Foundation for terminally ill children. Uh, so, yeah, that's where Olivia was when she was born. Yeah, well, that's what... She was in dire straits yeah. and, yeah. My, my, my granddaughter was born there and mm. she just turned four years old this week. Oh, Okay. It's yeah. a wonderful hospital. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's amazing what they do there, especially in that neonatal unit. Yeah. Yeah, so that unselfish deed earned after the 1998 ATP Arthur Ashe Humanitarian Award. Yeah. He was recognised and respected by his peers for his politeness, yeah. perhaps best expressed by his habit of saying, sorry, mate. When he had to catch his service toss. Do you remember that? <laughs> yeah. So he, was, he said that he, he played his, this was on the boardroom podcast, um, he, Rafter said he played his best tennis when he played lots of tennis. Mm. So, you know, this is the issue in cricket now. Yeah. yeah. You get these bloody uh, <sighs> sports Scientists, you know, come in and yeah. oh, he's bowling too many overs, and oh, he's got to have a rest. He's got to rest this game, and yeah, yeah. But, but you know, when tennis players get out there, and they, when yeah, when tennis players get out there, and they, you know, they'll go hours on end. Yeah. Mm, that's know, right. Just somebody, a match, or you know, yeah, even to get a point. Mm. Yeah. Well, so this was a thing. Like he he had to work. Doubly as hard, yeah. you know, because he wasn't born with the natural talent of yeah. a lot of the, yeah. you know. And yeah. This is probably why he had to retire young because his game was just so attack, you yeah. know. He had that serve volley game and it took a lot out of his body. Yeah. So he had to find that something extra, yeah. you know. Um, but, yeah, he was saying that, yeah, there was a line in the sand moment so he was sitting down with his mum in Japan. So he was playing these satellite tournaments in Japan in 1992. Uh, and he just wasn't getting anywhere, you know. Uh, he was getting beaten in the first round. And, uh, you know, he sat down this restaurant with his mum and bawling his eyes out and just said, I, you know, I'm not good enough. I want to give it all, give it all up. And, uh, yeah, his mum just said, you know, we're proud of you. Family's proud of you. You know, just... We'll support you in whatever you do. And, yeah, it's amazing how his game changed. Yeah. Mm. Um, but he, he's amazed how the game's changed now. Yeah. You know, like, it's just completely different. Like, the players are much – most players are taller now, you know, six foot five. They're just is more powerful. Yeah. You know, the technology of the rackets, and this yeah. is the same in cricket. Yeah. You know, um, it was a lot more advanced. You know, I remember yeah. growing up playing tennis and you had those old wooden rackets. Remember them? Oh, yeah. 
<laughs> you didn't get much power out of them. No, and, and if you happened to the ball in the unusual way you would get a vibration yeah. oh yeah <laughs> yeah those aluminium ones yeah. oh my god yeah but he's amazed by the racket technology today especially you know with the strings and yeah, yeah. so let's see what pat rafter's doing now so he's 48 years of age and in 2009 the center court at the new newly built queensland tennis center at tennyson in brisbane was named in his honor I've always wanted to go there, never been there. Uh, yeah, hopefully this summer I will. So, yeah, it's called the Pat Rafter Arena and he is married to former model Lara Felton mm. and they have two children, India and Joshua. And Pat Rafter is known for his <laughs> being a Bonds undies model. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Once he got into his 40s, he said, um, uh, you know, who wants to... See a man my age wearing wearing knickers. <laughs> yeah, but, but I, I remember whenever those those um when his ads came on, yeah. any females in the room that were talking suddenly, yeah, they stopped. Stopped. Oh, and yeah. the, oh, oh, he was a heartthrob. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I remember when I was living in England in '99. All these girls. Oh, Pat Rafter. Oh, oh gosh, he's so beautiful. Um, yeah. Him and David Beckham. Mm. So Dusty Martin, the Aussie rules player, he's taken the mantle now. So the Bonzundies. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But Pat didn't have all the tats that he's got. Yeah. Dusty Martin. And in 2002, he won the Australian of the Year Award. And there was some controversy over this as he spent much of his career residing in Bermuda for tax purposes. Yeah. So there we go. The uh, oh, what do they call it? The syndrome. Oh, I've had a mental blank now. Oh, you know when they want to bring someone down. <laughs> I'll think of it in a sec. Yeah, yeah. But uh, no, nah, he's. Yeah. Gosh, I'd be living in Bermuda too. Beautiful place to go and have a home. Yeah. Yep. Tall poppy syndrome. That's uh, it. Yeah. Yeah. So in two. Yeah. So uh, he was elected into the International Tennis Hall of Fame and inducted into the Sport Australia Hall of Fame in two thousand and six. And in two thousand and eight, Rafter was inducted into the Australian Tennis Hall of Fame. Yeah. So he's got a lot of honours there. And Rafter was Australia's Davis Cup captain from 2010 to 2015. And in 2015, Rafter made a comeback at 41 years of age and partnered then current Australian number one, Leighton Hewitt, in the doubles draw of the 2014 Australian Open. The comeback, however, was short-lived as the pair went down in straight sets in the first round. <laughs> so, yeah. yep. Wasn't much of a comeback, yeah. anyway. Uh, Rafter also spent some time playing on the Champions Tour. And he had a replay in the 2001 Wimbledon final where he faced Goran Ifenisovic. So Goran was the man who beat him in that 2001 epic Wimbledon final. Yeah. But Pat was saying that it didn't hurt us much. Yeah. As the loss to Sampras a year earlier. Yeah. Because Goran Ivanisevic was a good mate. 
So he was happy that he'd yeah. won it, you know. Um, yeah, so Rafter won the match when Ivanisevic retired while serving for the opening set. And Pat has done very well in real estate. According to vergewiki.com, his career earnings are around $14 million and his net worth is around $35 million. Yeah. And according to the dailytelegraph.com, he is loving life now, living in Broken Head in the northern rivers of New South Wales. Uh-huh. Yeah, so he just lives down in Byron. Yeah. He was living on the Sunshine Coast when I was living up there. Uh, yeah, up near Noosa there. Yeah. Uh, he enjoys planting banana trees, looking after a small head of cattle, or greasing up his bobcat. Uh, He's also involved in charity work and helped raise money at a charity ball in 2018 for the Tenora Tennis Club, which was destroyed by fire. So he basically dedicates his life now to his property. He was saying like he takes eight hours to mow his property every week. Yeah. Um, yeah, and whippersnips uh, yeah, for several yeah. hours a week. And, oh, God, yeah. I, oh, I hate whippersnippers uh, with yeah, a passion. Yep. Yeah. <sighs> I know what that's like because, yeah, because I had to look after my plot on the on. On my dad's property, yeah. Yeah. And it was sort of, yeah, you'd be mowing, and as you're mowing, you turn behind you, and the grass would be grinding. <laughs> so you'd, you'd be working all week, working all week, then spend, oh my God. Then spend, the, then spend the week, yeah. everybody whippersnipping and mowing. You know. Well, I was like in England when I was there in 99. I yeah. got this work there for a while, mowing yeah. lawns for the council, helping mow lawns. Yeah. So you'd be mowing grass like bloody five feet high. Yeah. And then you go back a week later and it's bloody five feet high again. <laughs> yeah. So he stayed out of the public spotlight and he's very concerned about the high expectations placed on junior players turning pro. Rafter believes that parents and coaches can re- re- create unrealistic expectations for their kids yeah. and panic when things are not happening straight away. Mm. Rafter reported in the Daily Telegraph, pressure creates anxiety and that's dangerous. Yeah. So you're saying that one of the reasons why he excelled, especially later in his career, yeah. he didn't put that pressure on himself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he's got great advice on dealing with setbacks in life. So optimism and perspective become critical when dealing with adversity. Yeah, so outside of that, it's having a backup plan. Mm. Mm. Yeah, so, yeah, so introducing, you know, these young tennis players to hard work. He reckons a lot of our, the Aussie young tennis players just lack the hard work yeah. and just having that plan B. Yeah. You know, and you see this in bloody Nick Kyrgios and, you know, yeah. yeah, just, you just think, you know, if he put in the work and had the right attitude, what he could be. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so it can be good to take that pressure off. So, yeah, but he was just saying, you know, when he was growing up, kids were better balanced. Yeah. And they had other areas of interest and they'd, they just didn't have all this pressure on them, you know. Yeah. And, yeah. So, you know, because he, he didn't go through all this scholarship system and, yeah. yeah, he had to work really hard. Yeah. 
And this was, you know, like Novak Djokovic. Like, yeah, he, he grew up right in the smack bang in the middle of the, uh, oh, the war, you know, in, in Bosnia. Yeah. Yeah. You know, with bombs going off yeah. all around him and, yeah. yeah. Okay, so let's, that's the story of Pat Rafter. Yeah, well, um, just stepping back to where he was born in, in Mount Isa. Yeah, I've never been to Mount Isa. Yeah, my yeah. father did the um, air conditioning for the Mount Isa Irish Club. Mm. Apparently at the time it was the biggest club in the Southern Hemisphere as in size. And okay. he's, he's telling me that, that the keg room was about twice the size of the of the club itself. Jeez, <laughs> <laughs> they'd need it out there. Yeah. That heat. And it, and he's yeah, because every all the because you know, being Mount Isa, being a mining company, mining town. Yeah. And yeah, he said all these guys would be. Riding around in the late on the latest bike, or or have the latest boat to go on the lake with, and, mm. and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. it's quite yeah. a big place. It's like over thirty thousand. Yeah. So he was saying, Pat Rafter, that's a it was a great place for sport. Yeah. Probably because there was nothing else much to do out there. Yeah. That, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah from mining and yeah. keeping cool. And spending money. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, it, it wasn't like they could. Hop on a plane and you know, come down to the Gold Coast of the weekend, or because mm. you know, in that time the, the flights were limited. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so all you had to do was, buddy, work it, work hard all week, and then go and spend your money on yeah. like, the Irish cl- Irish club. Or well, or, I think he, his dad was a miner. That's yeah. why he was there. Oh, yeah. 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 Rightio, so we'll look at the events of 1997 now. It was a big year and, of course, the big event was Princess Diana's death. She was sadly killed in a car crash in Paris, France. So do you remember where you were that day, Glenn? I was at at home. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I remember I was at home and the news came on. Yeah. And it was like... I remember my mum saying to me, you know, like, Princess Diana's been in an accident. And at, the, at that time, we, it, we, no one knew, you know, that it was that serious. Like, it, yeah. we just thought it was a minor accident. Yeah. And then there was, the news came through that her, um, her partner, her boyfriend, Dodie Al-Fayette, mm. was killed in the crashes. Yeah. Yeah, and the driver was killed. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then it was probably an hour. Well, I remember I went on a family barbecue, a fa- family picnic. Yeah. We went down to Megalong Valley. Yeah. So, you know, that was all we heard at the time was yeah. Dodie Al-Fayed. So yeah. his father owned um, Harrods, you know, in London. Oh, yeah. And to this day he says, yeah, it was a conspiracy. Yeah. yeah. He thinks the royals are behind it. Yeah. Yeah, which is rubbish, I think, you know. But you reckon? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, well, I, I don't, yeah. Well, it was mainly, it was a drunk driver and the paparazzi. paparazzi. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, mm. yeah there, buddy. 
Uh, anyway, that's yeah, but yeah, and I remember, you know, we after a lunch, you know, we got in the car, they head back home, put the news on, and found out she died, and it was like what? Uh, uh. So it's one of those times, you know, where you just think where you were at that time, yeah. like when September 11 happened, and yeah, yeah. but. Uh, it was one of those moments where the world stood still, I guess. Yep. Yep. Yeah, and according to the peoplehistory.com, the vehicle hit a wall after the driver lost control trying to evade the paparazzi who was following them. The driver, Henry Paul, was found to be at fault as he had drugs and alcohol in his system. And according to the people... Well, this was according to the peoplehistory.com... Yeah, her funeral was watched by an estimated 2.5 billion people around yeah. the world. Yeah, yeah and who, who will ever forget her brother's speech? Yeah, because yeah, uh, he was living in South Africa at the time mm. and he didn't want to give a eulogy, you know. And yeah. yeah, in a few days when he was flying back to go to the to the funeral, he thought, no, bugger it, I'm going to get up there and I'm going to say what I think. Because yeah. he was very against the royals, you know, yeah. and he was not happy at all. Remember the visions of the funeral of, you know, William and Harry, because they were just kids then. Yeah, you know, walking behind the, yeah, yeah the funeral, the the um, the coffin, yeah, the coffin, their mother's coffin, and he just he did not want Harry and William doing that. Yeah, and the royals, you know, they said, "Oh no." It's already already been decided. Yeah. Um, yeah, but no, he got up there and gave it to the paparazzi and gave it to the royals, yeah. and yeah. it's one of the greatest speeches of all time, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. And it's even taught in schools now that speech. Yeah, <coughs> yeah. But she was amazing, wasn't she, Princess uh, yeah, Diana? She was, yeah. yeah, she. Um, yeah, she changed. She was a change from that normal royal protocol. Yeah, you know, and I remember there were scenes of her probably not long before she died of hugging a child with AIDS. Yeah, you know, and going to those places in Africa where with all the landmines and yeah, um, yeah, and her, her, like a best friend. This was interviewed on a podcast with BBC News and. Uh, I think it was about a week before she died, she was in Greece on a holiday with her best friend. Yeah. And, yeah, she just said it was just wonderful. They were there for a week and no one knew they were there. And she just had a week of complete peace. Yeah. But she just got hassled and hassled and hassled. Like, she couldn't go anywhere. Yeah. She couldn't go to the gym without getting hassled. Yeah, no. Yeah. Yeah. It's just ridiculous. I I I think it, I believe that yeah, the paparazzi are just yeah. Oh, the pariahs. Low, low lives. Oh yeah, yeah. just absolute low lives. That, exactly. And all the ridiculous money that they get paid to mm. uh, to the buddy. Yeah. To the magazines and all the magazines that come out with all this spin and bullshit and stuff. Yeah. And they're still gone. Mm. Well, they've got um, visions of, you know, just before Princess Diana died, they're in this hotel in Paris. 
Yeah. I think they'd gone there for dinner or they were staying there, I'm not sure. Yeah. But all the paparazzi were outside and they've yeah. snuck out this back entrance. Yeah. Got in the car, the paparazzi have found out and they've just followed yeah. them yeah. a million miles an hour, you know. Yeah. yeah, but looking at other news of 1997, NASA's Mars Pathfinder landed and the rover arrived in Mars and its mission was to take photos of the surface studied the composition of rocks, collected information about the soil and the atmosphere and wind. I think it found um, water on Mars too, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So life, there was definitely life there at one stage. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, but still, man hasn't landed there. <laughs> but, but, but realistically, we can't spend, uh, man spending all this money to... to Colonise another planet instead of just fixing what's. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Mm. Um, The first. Sorry? I'll tell you what, I wouldn't be going to Mars. Nah. Nah. When you got to get. You'd be basically living inside all the time. Yeah. With all the radio activity. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, But you wouldn't be able to go on holidays or. Nah. So you. You know, you, you, you I think you'd get bored pretty quick. You may as well, <laughs> you, you may as well just stay, on, stay in the sports shack. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Same thing, I'd say, yeah. You won't get the sports shack out there. Nah. Nah. <laughs> There'll be no just, sport out there to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so the first book in the award-winning Harry Potter series by J.K. JK Rowling was published, Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. And Hong Kong returned to Chinese rule from the UK rule. Also that year, there is the avian flu, which resulted in Hong Kong killing all of its chickens, 1.25 million of them. Uh, Poor chickens. Uh, <laughs> to stop the spread of the deadly influenza strain. Uh, yep. I, saw, I, I, I read a cartoon that came on Facebook today. It was these two cows. That they were talking about over the fence. And um, this was the time when the mad cow disease came out. And, um, yeah, but, yeah, that one one cow was talking about it, another cow replied, well, I'm, I'm like I'm a little cow, I'm a, yeah. I am think I'm a goat or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it was also the first cloning of an adult mammal, a sheep called Dolly. Did you yeah. know that? Yeah. 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 And Tony Blair became Prime Minister of the UK. And Mother Teresa died in Calcutta. Mm. I think that was like a day before Princess Diana died. Yeah. Yeah. I remember seeing them on the news together. Yeah, one time when she went to... There was that vision of Princess Diana outside the Taj Mahal sitting on that seat all alone. Remember that? Yeah. Yeah. And Microsoft became the world's most valuable company <coughs> valued at $261 billion. Imagine what it's worth now. Yeah, well, there, there's plenty of other companies that have surpassed that. Mm. 
Yeah. They're talking about Amazon becoming the first trillion. Trillion. Fair income. Trillion. Trillion. Valued at over a trillion dollars. Gee, I'd have a piece of that. Yeah. <laughs> so we also had the Threadbow landslide here in Australia. Yeah. It occurred at the village and the ski resort of Threadbow, New South Wales. And it was where two ski lodges were destroyed and 18 people died. And Stuart Diver, he was the only survivor. Now, I was listening to the uh, No Filter podcast. And it happened at 11.35pm, so they're all asleep at the time, yeah. pretty much. And uh, it was 66 hours later, after being buried, um, yeah, that he was... So they found Stuart Diver. I remember yeah. that Saturday afternoon. Yeah. Yeah, it was just a miracle. Yeah. You know, especially in those fr- freezing cold conditions and... Yeah. yeah. but he sadly lost his wife, Sally. So, you know, yeah, although he was rescued and, you know, he'd witnessed his love of his life die before his eyes yeah. and... Um, but he's an amazing story, yeah. Stuart Diver. Um, yeah, in 2015, because he remarried, and in 2015 his second wife died. Yeah, she died from uh, breast cancer. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, he just thought to himself, you know, like, what am I living for and what's driving me forward? They were the two questions that helped him get on with his life. And yeah. Yeah, um, but no, now he's um, he's a single dad. He manages uh, Threadbay Resorts. I remember like he was a commentator on some of the Winter Olympics too. Yeah. Yeah, and he's got his own podcast. I haven't had a chance to listen to it yet. It's called The Elements. And, yeah, just, you know, where he talks to people who have been through similar circumstances like himself, you know, from – Tragedies and how they overcame it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and just what the positives are out of uh, huge tragedies because he, yeah, he says that there's always a positive that can come out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so we'll look at film now. Oh, yeah, just going back to the Threadbow landslide. Yeah, so... According to Wikipedia, it was caused by water from heavy rain melting the snow and um, a leaking water main, apparently. Yeah, so the landslide hit an an eastern wing of one of the lodges first, which caused the nearby land to collapse onto lodges below. Yeah. So, looking at film now, so, gosh, I haven't been to the snow field since 19... 89. Yeah. Yeah, a long time ago. Yeah. Yeah. So looking at film now, so, oh, boy, there were some great movies. So as good as it gets, Jack Nicholson. Yeah. That was a brilliant movie. Yeah. Yeah. You won every award in the book for that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Titanic. Yeah. Yeah. It was with Kate Winslet and um, what's the guy's name? Leonardo. Leonardo DiCaprio, yeah. yeah. Lost the Lost World, Jurassic Park. I wasn't yeah. a fan of that movie. Yeah. Liar Liar. Yeah. I remember watching that in Perth. Yeah, I don't mind that movie. This was a great movie. The Full Monty. Uh, yep. Uh, 
<laughs> yeah, brilliant movie, that one. And in television, there was Jag, Buffy the Vampire Slayer mm-hmm. as well, and the NRL and AFL footy shows. <laughs> yeah, I remember seeing Vit, you know, because Peter Sterling, um, he was big on that show at that time. And, yeah. yeah, and just seeing footage of, you know, because he's retired from uh, TV uh, last oh, a few weeks ago in the grand final. Uh, yeah, and they were going back over, you know, from his time on the footy show uh, back in the 90s and yeah. <laughs> with fat, Paul Fatty Vorton. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Remember those anti-ads? Oh, they <laughs> were funny. You got to look them up on YouTube. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, he was a real comedian too. It was yeah. amazing. Yeah. Yeah, so, uh, oh, where are we up to? Oh, Water Racks, that was another uh, show. Yeah, yeah, but I, I've, I've been um, re-watching that on, on, on Amazon Prime Video. Yeah. Because I don't know if I've mentioned this before, the debate that they use, the, um, the yeah, oh, what's the name? Because I've spoke about lately to other people, but the boat that they used in that show was built in the same factory as my father's yacht. Oh, really? And when my father's yacht was was um, launched, that 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 exact boat towed the yacht around to the mooring. Yeah. And then the guys the guys went. Um, Went, yeah, to, to log to, to sign off and work, yeah. and they came back to join in the party. Yeah, but they were just, yeah, it was it was just. Um, that's why I love the show because yeah. I have some history with that exact boat. The, yeah, the Nemesis. Nemesis. That, that yeah. was the first boat of its type. Right. That that the. the, the um, New South Wales Water Police yeah. brought in to, to have a catamaran boat instead of the monohull. Oh, okay. And that was the very this first. This is in Sydney? Yeah, that was yeah. A, the Nemesis was the very first boat. Yeah. And it was built, yeah, yeah. because you said next to Dad's yacht. Oh, okay. Yeah. There you go. And because I was only, what, 12 or 13 at the time. Mm. And I wanted to become a water rat. A water rat. I wanted, yeah. Yeah, I wanted to be sailing around. Gary Sweet. Yeah. Well, Gary Sweet was in, he was in water rats for a little bit, but he was mm. mainly in police rescue, but I yeah. wanted to be a water rat. So I, could, I thought that's easy. You just mm. cruise around the harbour all day. Yeah. He was yeah. young when he played that Don Bradman in, in Bodyline. Remember that series? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so <coughs> what else happened? Oh, we go to the music now. So mm. there was Barbie Girl by Aqua. Mm. Oh, that song used to drive me insane. <laughs> Tub Thumping by Chumbawamba. Yeah. That was a great song. Good sporting song, that one. Yeah, yeah you get knocked down, but you get back up again. Yeah. Uh, Return of the Mac, Spice Up Your Life by the Spice Girls. They were huge then, weren't they? Yeah. Uh, My Heart Will Go On by Celine Dion. 
mm. and Candle in the Wind by Elton John. So he yeah. was a really close friend of Princess Diana and he yeah, yeah he sang that song at a funeral. Yeah. And Savage Garden, geez, weren't they big then? The yeah. Aussie Brisbane band. Yeah. Made it big all around the world. Yeah. They had a I Want You and um yeah, heaps of good songs, didn't yeah, they? Good, yeah. Okay, so we look at sporting events now. So Tiger Woods, he became the youngest ever golfer to win the US Masters at 21 years of age. And he won by an incredible 12 shots, which is still a record. And as Jim Nance, the great golf commentator, said, a win for the ages, and it certainly was. Mike Tyson, <laughs> he bit Vander Holyfield's ear in the third round of their heavyweight title which led to his disqualification and suspension from boxing yeah so i was listening to the howie games recently they were interviewing a guy called uh colonel um oh, what was his name uh bob sheridan colonel bob sheridan he's yeah. probably the most famous boxing commentator of all time yeah and uh yeah he was talking about that fight and the day before that fight, it was in the MGM Grand in Las Vegas, he had a major heart attack. It was his third heart attack, but this was like a really big one. Yeah. So he was in hospital yeah. and he told the doctor, you know, I'm leaving, I'm getting out of here. Yeah. And the doctor said, no, you've just had a massive heart attack. And he says, well, you know, either you pull all these wires off me or I'm going to pull them off myself. Yeah. <laughs> So he ended up going to the fight yeah. the day after he's had a major heart attack. <laughs> yeah. And he gave like an ending to the broadcast, you know, because he wasn't sure whether he was going to make it or not. Yeah. But little did he know, you know, what would happen in the fight. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, but he he would say uh, Evander Holyfield was the dirtiest fighter he'd ever seen. Yeah. Yeah. And in the first round of that fight, Holyfield had actually elbowed Tyson and cut him above the eye. Yeah. And he, yeah, and that really pissed Tyson off and yeah. no excuse for biting his ear. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but no, he's a real character, that Bob Sheridan. Yeah, and the way he spoke about some of those great Ali fights, you know, against Foreman and Frazier and, oh, yeah, yeah, amazing. Yeah, so the Woodies, Mark Woodford and Todd Woodbridge, they won their fifth straight Wimbledon men's doubles title. And according to the book, Australian Sport Through Time, they equaled the record of brothers Laurie and Reggie Doherty, which was between 1897 and 1901. You remember that, Glenn? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe in a previous life but I, yeah. I can't recall it at the <laughs> And in rugby The New Zealand All Blacks Defeated the Wallabies 33 points to 18 And it was the first rugby international Held at the Melbourne Cricket Ground With a crowd of 90,119 Yeah and I remember they got Absolutely flogged by South Africa That year too about 50-odd points, I reckon. So it was a real low point in Aussie rugby, but a man called Rod McQueen, he was then appointed as the new Wallabies coach. 
Yeah, so we'll go into that in another episode. And Kathy Freeman, she won gold in the women's 400 metres at the World Championship. And that was in, uh, oh, I think it was in Greece, I think, from memory. Yeah. And in cricket, Australia toured South Africa and won the Test Series two games to one. Two tests to one. They won the first test easily in Johannesburg and then had an incredible comeback victory in the second test in Port Elizabeth, <coughs> winning by two wickets thanks to a century from Mark War. Yeah, so the big topic of conversation around this time was the long-form slump of Captain Mark Taylor. His place in the side was called into question. And in the first test of the Ashes series in England... Australia was heavily beaten by England. However, Taylor hit a courageous century in the second innings. In the next test at Lords, it was remembered for Aussie Glenn McGrath for his incredible 8 for 31. However, the game was a draw due to rain. The Aussies fought back to win the series free, ga- free test to two. But there were some great performances by Steve Wall with centuries in both innings in the third test on a really difficult wicket. And opener Matthew Elliott, he hit a great 199 at Headingley, one short of a double ton. Be spewing. Yeah, and uh, Glenn McGrath and Shane Warne both picked up seven wickets for the match in the fifth test at Trent Bridge. And in England captain Mike Atherton, he said, Australia has a couple of key match-winning players that we don't have at the moment. This, yeah, he said this in the book. It's quoted in the book Australian Sport for a time. So I guess that was a difference between Australia and England at this time, you know. And it was like New South Wales and Queensland in state of origin, you know, and Queensland dominated for so long. Yeah, yeah just having those extra yeah. superstars, you know. Yeah. Yeah, it just makes a difference. Yeah, so the Aussie women, they won the Women's Cricket World Cup for the fourth time, defeating New Zealand at Eden Gardens in Calcutta in front of 80,000 spectators. And there was agony for the Socceroos at the Melbourne Cricket Ground when Iran came from 2-0 down after 76 minutes to level 2 all and go through on the away goals rule to gain the last World Cup spot. And it was the Socceroos' best chance of qualifying for, for the World Cup in years because they only had to beat Oceania's, Oceania's minnow nations and then beat Asia's fourth best nation. So it wasn't until oh, probably 15 years ago yeah. Australia just were in the Oceania group. Yeah. yeah, so what would happen, they'd play teams like, you know, Tonga and Samoa and Fiji and Vanuatu. Their only real sort of tough opponent was New Zealand. Yeah. So, you know, they'd beat them most of the time. Yeah. But then they'd have to play a South American team, you know, and then they'd get bundled out. But, yeah, it was different this year. You know, they um, they just had to beat, a, I think, yeah, it was a fourth-placed Asian team, which yeah. was Iran. So... Yeah, things were looking really good and, uh, yeah, but it was uh, when they went through in 2006 to qualify for that in Germany, that was the last time they had to go through the yeah. Oceania group 
because uh, they became part of Asia after that. Yeah. Yeah, and that's been so much better ever since. Uh, yeah, they get to play more often and it's just a better lead-up, you know, better way to qualify. Mm. Yeah, so... Yeah, and in rugby league, oh, gosh, what a year it was. So, as we said before, there were two competitions running. <clears throat> so we had the ARL and the Super League. I remember going to the games in the ARL and I went to watch a Canberra versus Hunter Mariners game in, in the Super League in Canberra. So, yeah, Jack Gibson in his book, A Centenary of, in, a, in the book, A Centenary of Rugby League, he said it was the season of the Asterix. <laughs> uh. So, yeah, I've got the book here. So, yeah, and, and, and they used to have a magazine out for years called Rugby League Week. It doesn't exist now. It's a shame because it was a great magazine. Uh-oh. Um, and there was a, a columnist called Sherlock. <laughs> and he wrote, my suggestion, I quote, my suggestion for season 97 is that it be parceled up, placed aboard a NASA rocket bound for Pluto and beyond and fired off into the galaxy, never to be returned mm. or to be mentioned again. Yeah, so, yeah, it was, sort of was a bit of a nothing year really. But yeah. Yeah, that grand final, the ARL grand final, it was a great way to finish because yeah, it was one of the greatest matches of all time, mm. you know. Between Newcastle and Manly. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, but, you know, I, I never really followed the Super League. I thought it was sort of like World Series cricket because they brought in all these new yeah. rules, you know, yeah. you know, and uh, like new, um, uh, like bits of technology, like the video ref. Yeah. I remember the first game they had that. It was like Hunter Mariners were playing because they were a Newcastle team. Because yeah. Newcastle was really important, yeah. you know. So both the Super League and the IRL, they desperately wanted Newcastle. Mm. And Newcastle was very close to signing with the Super League. Yeah. Um, but last second, they signed with the IRL. Yeah. So when the Super League got the court clearance to start their competition, they put a team there called the Hunter Mariners. Yeah. So they yeah. the first Super League game. I think it was Hunter Mariners versus Canterbury. Yeah. And yeah, I think it was Stephen Clark. He was a referee. And yeah, he goes to um, someone had scored a try, and he goes to the video ref, and he's talking on his microphone. Now, how does this how does this thing work again? <laughs> yeah, you think now we got the bunker and all this yeah. rubbish now. Yeah, but in, in Newcastle, oh, you know, because that was very pro-ARL yeah. and the players who played for the Hunter Mariners, they were just despised. Yeah. Like Noel Goldthorpe, he used to talk about, yeah. you know, getting sworn at in the street. You yeah. know, the players were being spat at. And yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, but when, when they folded, when Super League folded, you know, and well, both competitions combined. Yeah. That's how the Melbourne Storm um, started. Yeah, because the players from the Hunter Mariners, a lot of them went to the Melbourne Storm. Yeah. 
and uh, players from the Perth side which folded. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, because this Super League, they desperately wanted the starter team in Melbourne. And at the time, you know, they're going, oh, God, you might as well put a team on on Pluto, you know. The yeah. game's never going to take off in Melbourne. Yeah. Because you know, this is just the AFL capital. Yeah. You know, they're just, it's a religion there. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, you go to uh, the grand final. Yeah, so um, Manly were hot favourites going into the ARL grand final. In the match against Newcastle Knights, they were defending premiers, Manly. They led for most of the match before a great comeback from the Knights. Scores were locked up at 16-all. And in the dying minutes, a field goal attempt from Matthew Johns hit the upright. However, with just six seconds remaining, a smart play down the blind side by Andrew Johns, who went into the game with a punctured lung... <laughs> Drew the defence down the blind side <laughs> yeah. and set up flying winger Darren Albert to score a try under the post. The Knights went on to win the match 22 16. It was their first ever premiership. The city of Newcastle rejoiced and partied and hailed their heroes on their return. Yeah. Yeah, so. And it was. It meant a lot to the people in Newcastle because this was a time where BHP was starting to close down. Yeah. Because it, it was known as, you know, like a real still city, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 And uh, so, you know, a lot of people are losing their jobs. Yeah. and Yeah, so it was two premiers, two rep seasons and too little satisfaction. Mm. But the Super League, they, they had like a global competition going. So they had, um, like, they they had uh, their own state of origin, but it was New South Wales, Queensland, and New Zealand. Yeah. Yep. And then they had teams from England. I mean, in their competition, playing Aussie teams, so they were flying back and forth, and <laughs> yeah. Uh. yeah. So Brisbane won both the Super League Grand Final here and the. Global competition, whatever they called it, mm. the Mickey Mouse competition. Yeah. Yeah, so they beat Cronulla Sharks in the grand final. Um, but the Rugby League world was in shock in November that year when Rugby League International and personality Peter Jackson was found dead, aged just 33 years of age. Yeah, so that was a real shock, you know. He'd had a um, heroin overdose. Yeah. But in the weeks that came out later, yeah, they found out that he'd been um, he'd gone to a Catholic school, Catholic boarding school, and had yeah. been sexually abused. And yeah, yeah it was really sad. Um, but he was a great player, yeah, yeah. very skillful. Um, sadly missed. Yeah, and Sydney was awarded the two thousand and two Gay Games. Uh. Yep. <laughs> Whether that's still around today, I don't know. Oh. The gay games, yeah. And Might and Power won the Melbourne Cup. Yeah, but sadly, Might and Power passed away last year after a colic attack. Mm. Yeah, so I remember putting money on Might and Power that year and I won, oh. yeah, won money in the Melbourne Cup. Uh-huh. And according to Leo Schlink in the Herald Sun, owner Nick um, Moraltis, 
thanked God every day for having might and power in his life and said the champion racehorse left him with lots of great memories. Mm. Okay, Glenn, so what took place in the world of motorsport in 1997? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just have to scroll up the script there and see where I'm going. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Um, where am I up there? The Shell Touring Car Championship was won by Glenn Seaton driving a a Ford EL Falcon mm-hmm. and the Formula One Formula One World Championship was won by Canadian Jacques. Oh, Jacques uh, Villeneuve. Yeah, yeah. That's right. I think and that's the construction. Mm. Construction. Um, um, championship title went to the Williams, was won by the Williams Renault. Yep. Also, um, found out this week that the um, Casey, uh, Casey Stoner. Yep. Went to um, Keeper Park High School. Oh, did he? Really? S- S- Sammy went to school with him. Yeah? Yeah, just Gosh. around the corner. Fair dinkum. Yeah. Hey, there you go. Yeah, so I've learned yeah. Yeah, a fair bit over the, the past week. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's all we've got. Yeah. You know, got for well, Mick Dillon, he was named a... Um, he's from the Gold Coast too, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, he was named Male Athlete of the Year yeah. after he won his fourth consecutive 500cc World Championship. Yeah, yeah, yeah um, Have you got a different script to me? Oh, mine's all over the place. <laughs> well, I've, got, I've got bugger all here, mate. What I've got here is nothing. But, but you, uh, that's why I'm looking for. It's my printer. Plays games. Uh, yeah, well, I'm just looking back now. Where did you find that? Because I can't find it. I'm, oh, hang on, hang on. It's down the bottom here, you goose. <laughs> it started on the Glenn's bottom. giving himself an uppercut. Oh, yeah, big time. Okay, so I'm sort of going backwards now because of before what I said was before it was the end of my, the end of part of my script. But anyway, um, so, yeah, we do doing uh, 500. World CC Championship. Aussie motor racer legend Peter Brock retired from the third, from the second after thirty years. In his final race at Bathurst, he was going, going for his tenth win, and started from pole position with co-driver Mark Scaife. That they were leading, however, later had engine trouble. And the victor went to Larry Perkins and Russell Ingle in another Commodore VS. Yeah. So that, that'll teach me to, to keep track of... Because these scripts you keep on writing, keep on getting longer and longer. And oh, longer. yeah. Well, it was a big year, 97. Yeah. Yep. Big year. Yeah. So... Um, yeah. We'll go to the answer for who am I now. Okay. Uh, on. Let me get back on. Uh, 
time to reveal this week's Who Am I? Okay, it's an easy one, as I said. The one and only Michael Jordan. Okay, so with the draw. So what are we going to do, Glenn? We're going to go a year up to 98 or I'll let you decide? 96. 96, okay. We're going to go back a year. Yeah. Righty, eh? Yeah. Oh, I checked. um, You were talking about our mate uh, Simcox, Pat Simcox. Yeah. Yep. You know what he's doing now? Uh, He works in real estate. Yeah. He's a successful uh, real estate salesman in South Africa. Yep. Yep. He's 61 years of age. Gosh. But he was a, geez, he could spin a ball. He had that looping action. Yeah. And, geez, he'd give it a rip. Yeah. Yeah. Good old Pat. Okay, so yeah, look forward to that one for next week, 1996. So thanks for joining us for this episode of the Sports Shack. So it's a goodbye from Paul. It's a goodbye from Glenn. Goodbye. G'day, it's me again. Please check out the Sporting Shack on Facebook if you like this, for posts and other likes and shares. Have a great sporting week. Please check out Gold Studio Productions on Facebook. Until next time...